They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast. Oh, that's right, Doing the Nasty. We are back for a brand new episode of Season 2. Now, I was all prepared last time and I'm not prepared at all. Is this 16 or 17? Uh, <laughs> so this is the June episode, so this is... Is this, seven? this is fucking... Is this 18? fucking 18? 18? Have we done Jesus. 18 episodes? <laughs> Hold on, let me check. I'm checking. What year is it? <laughs> is this uh, 18? I'll be right. It's, yeah, 12 plus 6. 18. Yeah. Yep, this is 18. Uh, uh, huh. Try heaving there. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> as you heard, the other voice on this show is my long suffering colleague, uh, Mark Ball. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, I started the day off by getting an email from my credit card company saying, hey, dipshit, we didn't get your fucking money. And uh, it's a holiday weekend, so all the banks are fucking closed. So that, that's that's cool. Yeah, th- thanks a lot. Uh, I'll probably be calling them to fucking complain at some point. But uh, other than that, uh, it's, it's uh, June, June fucking flew by. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, that yeah. month went by fucking fast. We, we recorded the uh, the first episode that I'm on for the Teapot Summer series towards the beginning of the month, so I, I was know. Cram- cramming a shitload of movies in like at the very last minute for that, and then either the following weekend or the weekend after that was Chattanooga Film Festival, so mm-hmm. I was fucking buried in movies with that thing, which I, I saw some pretty great shit at that festival, actually. Uh, virtual again, so I did a lot of those, like, either at my house or at my friend's house, where there was only, like, three of us sitting around for it, basically. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's fucking July, and I'm like, holy shit, we still got it doing the nasty to fucking record for June, so people are getting this one a, a smidge late, but you'll get you'll get two in July, so don't, don't panic. This uh, summer is crazy for me because work is fucking insane mm-hmm. and uh, like the last two years been doing film festivals it's definitely insane for you because you're doing <laughs> 10 episodes of the fucking summer series all i've got five out of the way that's the first five recorded so that's fucking insane man i mean i'm sure each one of them is like four hours long so a good 20 like that's almost a full fucking day of summer series stuff like spread out throughout the yeah. month so let me give you. Just gonna have to have a little bit of patience. <laughs> Let me give you a, a little story about sitting down and recording with Mark on that episode, and everything comes in tight and nice at four hours worth of recording, including debating and doing all the scoring. So I swing it at my next episode, and I'm like that. Woo! Like you know, four four and a half hours. We got this. We got this. Seven hours. Oh my god. Well, yeah, it's the longest episode of anything I've ever done. Seven Jesus, hours. Jesus oh. fucking um, Christ. Are you so, going to even be able to upload that with it being that fucking long? Uh, I will have two. I'll have to carve it into three. Um, Holy shit. To, for it to, to be uploadable. So, yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> woo, 
Uh, it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, and, and that sort of stuff has taken a drain on time. I'm with you. Like, June disappeared. Uh, and I'm going to say, I don't know how many people have been actively chasing us up for this episode because of the two movies we're talking about. So <laughs> I think it, well, had I... it been the previous month with the old Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think we would have had a little bit of, when's that episode dropping, guys? This time, not so much. Right. Well, I do know our listener Andy had these movies watched like about three weeks ago. I saw yeah. him posting God on bless Instagram him. that he, he had watched these. And uh, I actually had more trouble finding the movies for this month than I think we have since we started this fucking show. These things are streaming nowhere. Big shout out, though, because uh, both copies, um, essentially the, the guy who hooked you up is the same guy that hooked me up. Because the night he oh, okay. hooked you up, because like, I had like... the the shittiest copy of both these movies that I was trying to watch um, and uh, our, our buddy Tony um, from the Video Nasty Project got in touch and said listen I've sourced these for Mark I can swing them to you if you want and I was like that God bless you sir, God bless yeah. you yep. so Huge, huge thanks to Tony and Andy, because I actually, like, before I hit up Tony, I wouldn't ask Andy. I was like, just out of curiosity, where the hell did you watch these fucking movies? And um, not to throw him under the bus or anything, but he, he sent me some slightly dodgy-looking links, which I was, I was really grateful he did, because at least I had that option if all yeah. else failed. But uh, also, like, I didn't want to... I, I, I really didn't want to give my personal computers the 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 internet aids basically so yep. uh i i'm glad i didn't have to do that because uh i've, I've had issues with that sort of thing going to d- dodgy movie sites in the past but uh yeah so I, so i ended up hitting up tony and yeah thankfully he hooked us up with these movies i don't know where the fuck you can get uh mad doctor of blood island i know in the states severin put that out severin put it in a box set yeah, they, they I, put it in a I, box set, I believe. I um, think it's a ways... Uh, definitely the, the solo release is a ways out of print. They might have put all of the Blood Island movies in a box set at some I point. But I think so, yeah. Couldn't um, find it anywhere. The the other one, the the Paul Nashi movie, just came out on... I think that's Scream Factory. Scream put Factory put the Nashi box set. So, yeah, it's, which it's is on the now first, first collection print? of Nashi. I think that's out um, of print now as well, so... I think you can you can still get it, but it's about fifty bucks, and it takes yeah. a while to get from Amazon. Because I was like, well, I guess that's my other option. Is we could be doing this episode really late because <laughs> yeah, the expected ship date on that was like uh, I don't know, sometime in fucking July. <laughs> so I was like, uh, and and also yeah, I, I'm I'm always hesitant to buy movies that I haven't seen yet, especially if they're fucking fifty dollars to get mm-hmm. the entire set. So. Uh, glad I glad I didn't have to do that. Although I, after watching this one, kind of spoiler alert, I, I kind of want to check out some other Paul Nashie movies because I am not familiar with that dude's work pretty much whatsoever. Yeah, I've, I've now seen a few, but not to the point. Where I know he's he's regarded quite highly in in certain genre aficionado circles, but um, interestingly enough, both movies I've seen with him being in them are both uh, kind of quasi jalo movies so um of course uh yeah because like, spain loved that shit uh so yeah like, as mark has alluded to on this episode we'll be looking at blue eyes of the broken doll from 1974 the most jello name that ever jelloed <laughs> um and mad doctor of blood island from 1968 uh it goes under a different title in the in the uk i can't remember what the title is now fucking some shit for shit shit. Uh, or, <laughs> I can't remember. I did have it written down, but I'm not going 
Uh, Tomb of the Living Dead is the television title. Yeah, I think that may is, be that may be what it's all that may be what's most. I don't, all these movies have about ten names, Mark. Yeah, uh, th- this one was also known as Mad Doctor of Crimson Island. If you were playing in a really uh, conservative, or if you had like a listing in a newspaper, apparently, <laughs> and they couldn't. A lot of them were hesitant to use the word blood, so they called it. <laughs> Mad Doctor of Crimson Island, which makes it sound like it's about, like, fucking that time of the month or something. That it is. really does. does sound like a period piece, Mark. Oh, what? Oh, see what I did there? See Sing. what I did there? I'm on to- fire. Tomb of the Living Dead is a stupid title, too, because it's it's really sounds like a mashup of the, the Tomb of the Blind Dead movies, yep. which were also big in Europe, and the, the obviously the Romero Living Dead movies, which... This has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with either of those fucking series. Absolutely nothing. So, yeah, we're, we're going to get into these two movies and uh, and regale you with our thoughts. I'm going to be honest, I can't envisage this being the longest episode, Mark. <laughs> this might be one of the shortest episodes, and I just watched these yesterday, so they're, like, really fresh in my mind, but at the same time, I'm like, God, I don't know what the fuck this is. We'll, we'll get into it. I'm sure we'll talk about some shit, but, yeah, these were... Uh, uh, these are kind of non-movies. These, these were not the most exciting things that we've watched on this list so far, for sure. So, um, from your film festival, John, anything that people should be keeping their eyes open for? Oh, fuck lots. Um, probably my favorite out of Chattanooga was My Heart Won't... My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm loosely describing it as Grown Up, Let the Right One In. Mm. Only, only, only it's American. Um... I don't really want to say too much more about that other than that movie like about fucking broke me. It's devastatingly fucking sad, but also I think like a really beautiful movie and like kind of a point of view that I don't think we get in the horror genre a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fucking fantastic. I think it's coming out here pretty quick from like Dark Sky or IFC Midnight or one of these companies. Um, that was probably my favorite of the entire festival. Um, I saw a movie that I think you'll really like called Coming Home in the Dark, which is like uh, modern day New Zealand The Hitcher a little bit. Oh, nice. Big, big time The Hitcher vibes. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 a little bit mumblecore or maybe I just can't understand their fucking accents for the life of me. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's like New Zealand mumblecore The Hitcher a little bit. Uh, Coming Home in the Dark. Yeah, it was one of the secret screenings. It was really, really fucking good. Um, I saw... I think there's a movie that's popping up on the on on the on our list on this show here pretty soon called uh, The Aftermath. It's got Sid Haig in it. I, I can't remember if that, that's either on this list coming up yet or that was on the first list. But it's like a uh, early '80s post-apocalyptic movie with Sid Haig, and uh, it's it's Sid Haig's real rapey in it. I think is the whole reason it ended up on the the, the video nasty list. The violence in it wasn't like anything super spectacular but it's it's yeah an older movie that i think uh probably probably like vinegar syndrome or somebody's putting out here pretty soon um yeah 1982 okay yeah that uh that was really solid they made that movie for like half a million bucks and it looks like a lot more it's got real uh planet of the apes kind of vibe and like a little bit of like mad max type shit and some last man on earth type stuff uh pretty pretty cool they showed another movie that the same I think it's like a father-son filmmaking duo, kind of. Or they they just ended up doing a lot of movies together. They showed another one called Empire of the Dark, which was uh, 
not not good and cost twice as much money. And uh, uh, if, if there's any red letter, red letter media fans out there, I think both these movies appeared on episodes of Best of the Worst at some point. So um, yeah, yeah, th- those were a lot of fun. Uh, I think probably my other favorite one I saw was, uh, what the fuck is it called? Scenes from a Church in New York, I think it's called. Um, they shot it last year at some point, and it's it's not a horror movie. It's basically just about two priests, like, dealing with COVID in, like, this big old-ass church, uh, like, last year, basically. And uh, it, it was more it was more of a comedy, kind of, but, like, it had some, like, dark, dark shit to it. It's got... Um, God damn it! I wish I could remember his name. He he played the uncle on a uh, a sitcom that was big around the time like Malcolm in the Middle was like late '90s, early 2000s. I should have mm-hmm. fucking looked all these up beforehand. But um, oh right, this is oh right, I know this director. Uh, yeah, the, he directed he directed a movie a couple years ago, ago called Applesauce. Applesauce, yeah, I remember seeing Applesauce as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was pretty good. And yeah, it was. It was very quirky, very kind of dry humor type stuff and had a lot to say about fucking COVID and lockdown and shit. And, and New York, if you're, if you're big into like New York City movies, uh, that, that was definitely definitely one to check out. Um, I guess about the only other one I'll mention is the Alien on Stage movie, which oh. is a documentary about... Uh, I think they're, they're they're somewhere in the UK. Uh, I think they're from like Bristol or someplace. Um, they're a group of bus drivers who put on like stage plays every year. And a few years ago, they got the idea that they wanted to do Alien as a stage play, <laughs> and it was fucking fantastic. It was, it was it was really charming seeing like their their low low-fi low-budget attempt to put Alien up on the stage. And the whole thing is kind of leading up, like, they, they have, like, one show, and it's, like, a fucking huge success, so they get invited to, like, a big, bigger theater in London to do do their production of Alien, and, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a documentary following all these guys. They're they're not actors, they're, they're bus drivers by trade, and, like, they kind of just do this for fun, but, like, it kind of took off, and I think they do it once a year in London somewhere, but uh, re- really charming. It's one of those movies that like, if you don't have a big, huge grin on your face like through most of the runtime, you're probably fucking dead inside. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, there you go. Keep your eyes peeled, listeners out there, for those movies. Mark Ball, we have a job to do on this episode, so let's, <laughs> yes, we do. Let, let's get on with it, shall we? We're going to tackle our first movie of this episode, which is Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll from 1974. Before we get into it, we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear people from the Video Nasties documentary sit down and tell you a little bit of information behind this one and potentially why they think it maybe was on the Tier 3 list. You'll then hear the trailer. We'll be back to discuss the movie right after this. Is this the way to Amarillo? Look, I'm sorry about singing, but Amarillo, as any Spanish scholar would know, means yellow. And in Italian, that means giallo. And here's Paul Nash's giallo film, Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, on K. 
Canon video. It was a first for Paul Nashi at the time because it's his uh, non-supernatural role. He wasn't really known for those. He was more famous for Valdemar Daninsky, the werewolf. This comes from Pro Filmes, which was the hammer of Spain. Um, they made a lot of films around this time, Paul Nashi being their Christopher Lee, in fact, although I see Paul Nashi more as being in the Brian Blessed school of, uh, of um, actors. Um, Jacinto Molina Alvarez was Paul Nashi's real name. He directed under that name too. Here, Paul Nashi plays a drifter picked up by the usual Spanish nymphomaniac and uh, used by her and her sisters as a handyman around the house. In fact, the US title, House of Psychotic Women, sort of gives away the end of the film. Uh, not so much as uh, a real faux pas at the ending, in fact, where you can see the camera crew clearly reflected in the window of the nursery where it's actually set. It was constantly seized by the police. That was solely mainly to do with the fact that the cover features, you know, the key gore scenes, really. Um, even though the special effects, even at the time, 1973, were pretty rubbish. I mean, when they're wandering around with the eyeballs in the jar, I mean, it couldn't be faker. I think why this got a lot of attention was the fact that halfway through the film, a pig is slaughtered for real, and of course, animal slaughter. Yeah, it's not a great thing to watch. Carlos Aura directed this movie, as he did a lot of films with uh, Paul Nashi in them. Curse of the Devil, Horror Rises from the Tomb being two others. But the most shocking moment of all for me in this is actually watching Paul Nashi have sex. His rotund girth heaving away is actually the most off-putting sight in this. Nothing to do with anything nasty and nothing to do with any of the trashy special effects. <laughs> I'm not the same as my sister. Son of a bitch. He wasn't satisfied with just killing her. Gouged out her eyes. The blue eyes of the broken doll. Good morning, Pierre. Good morning, Doctor. We need you down at the morgue. He's committed another killing. The blue eyes of the broken doll. The Broken Doll, with Paul Nashi, Diana Lorries, and Maria Percy. <laughs> the Blue 
blue eyes of the broken doll. Ladies and gents, you've just heard the trailer for Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. Uh, I was going to be all clever and do the old Spanish name, but fuck that. Um, this is a, it is a screenplay done by the director Carlos Aurid, um, but the story itself was adapted by Paul Nashi, who stars in the movie. Um, so it has Paul Nashi, Diana Lores, uh, Eduardo Calvo, Eva Leon. Ines Morales, Antonio Pica, Luis Siges, uh, and some other folks. Synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as an ex-convict troubled by dreams that he strangles women. <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? Is hired as a caretaker on an estate owned by three very strange sisters. Soon after his arrival, a serial killer begins slaughtering blonde, blue-eyed women and leaving their eyes any bowl of water. That is pretty much spot on as a synopsis gets, because that is literally this movie. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take point on this one, Mark. I was kind of excited about this one on the previous episode when I read the title. I was like, this sounds like a jello. Um, and it kind of is, in the same way that a lot of the... If anyone's went through the recent Vinegar Syndrome Forgotten Jally box sets, there's a lot of Spanish production jelly in there and it's it's clear their heart's in the right place but it doesn't have the flair it doesn't have the international feel it doesn't have the scenery and it doesn't usually have the the, the bonkersness of like an Italian jello they, they just didn't have that je ne sais quoi as the French would say um, they, they, they don't just have that but they do tend to for the most part, encapsulate the ideas and the ethos that it should be a murder mystery and you shouldn't know who the killer is until towards the end. There is a weird fascination, though, in specifically Spanish jellos, I'm not entirely sure why, for eyeballs to be removed. God knows how many of these motherfuckers I've seen in the last couple of months going through that box set with my buddy Dave Parker. But coming at this, I was like, oh, of course, eyeballs... Of course we're removing eyeballs. Yay. Um, I will, I'll put my cards on the table here. I rather enjoyed this, if I'm honest. There's there's a lot to kind of get behind. I think the cinematography itself is surprisingly good. The copy that we uh, were um, passed over. It's probably the nicest way to put it. Uh, shared with. Um, I think may have come from that box set. Because uh, it, it, it didn't feel like like a horrible VHS rip to the point where all the colours gone. Um, certainly, I, c- I could make out things. I don't think the dubbing is all that bad at all, if I'm honest. Um, and it wasn't wholly predictable, although I've seen enough of these movies that I kind of knew where things were going. I think if you're not a, a fan of Jello cinema in general, I think there's enough in here that would keep you potentially guessing for a bit. Um, I thought the violence was pretty cool. 
I mean, it's obvious why this one was banned because eyeballs are being removed. So, uh, well, there there was one other scene that, like, as soon as it fucking, yep. as soon as it started, I was like, all right, this is the- why this fucker's banned. <laughs> warning, warning! This movie will be pulled from the shelves and burned. Burned, I say. Uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna get to that, Mark. Um, but yeah, it didn't surprise me, Percy. Um, I found that there's obviously because it's the genre it's in, it's a lot of male-on-female violence, which probably didn't help its cause, and also doesn't age very well. Um, But, as a kind of third or fourth Paul Nashie movie that I've now seen, I like him as an actor, I think. I can see why he's got so many credits behind him. He does have a kind of leading man look about him, even though he is a bit wild. Um, There is something that kind of, the camera does like him, and he's, he, he has a particular genre presence about him that I, I enjoyed watching. I mean, it's a bit on the nose that he has dreams of murdering women and then all of a sudden women start being murdered and could he be the killer? I'm like, oh, come on. Right, what are we doing here? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the cinematography is really nice, although the colour palette, like a lot of Spanish movies of this time period, isn't as vibrant as the, as the Italian stuff. I thought the soundtrack because these are all points I usually lean towards for Jallos. It's okay. I don't think it's it's no master class of like your Ennio Morricone's or your kind of Pino Donaggio's or anything like that, but it's, it's, it fits the movie enough. And like I say, the ending, whilst not being completely surprising, at the same time, I can imagine people being kind of like, <gasps> at this. So... I mean, this is my... The thing is, this is a movie pitched to a fan of this genre already. And I've seen a lot of the worst in this genre already. So, coming to watch this, I was actually surprised how how competent it is for a movie that I'd never really heard of before. So, like, I, t- I tend to know all the big names in the in the genre. Uh, so, it tends to be the ones that I haven't heard of before. There's usually a reason why I haven't heard of them, Mark. And in the case of this one, I enjoyed it. So, I mean, it it gave me about the level of violence that you'd expect for this time period. And what I found really interesting about this one is this one makes a tier 3 list. I could literally name about 25 giallos that could have been on the list right beside it that seem to have either never been released in the UK um, or or just flew under the radar. Probably because they had classier names. Um, So... Uh, this is not a genre I suspect you spend a lot of time watching, but I know you have seen your fair share. Tick the big names off. How did you get on with Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll? Uh, I actually really dug this movie. Uh, like I was saying earlier, I'm not even kind of familiar with Paul Nashi. I know he's a big deal to a lot of people, uh, in, especially you know in, in Spanish filmmaking kind of deal, but... Um, yeah, I, I, he's he's pretty great as a leading guy. He's I, how I would describe him is he's he's pretty hunky, but he's not a himbo. He, he's he's got a, he's got a certain amount of charm to him, and he's he's a pretty decent actor actually. I think, and uh, also also very easy on the eyes for for the ladies and you know anybody else. Uh, also, all of the rest of the cast in this, like all all the women that he is like in in this old dark house with all fucking gorgeous like mm-hmm. that, that right right away you're you're winning some points even if these people are terrible actors as long as they're beautiful and they're shot beautifully like that, that's a, that's a big part of getting you know get getting 
people like me on board that maybe aren't, you know, quite as familiar with Jallo stuff. Um, this movie, I think, actually, like, takes a, it takes a little while to really get to a lot of the Jallo stuff. I mean, like, his, yeah. like, dream sequences are definitely lit like something like the Italians would do. It's uh, lots of big, splashy, bright, vibrant, colored type stuff. And, like, a, a lot of the, like, actual, like, Jallo killing type stuff, we, we do, in fact, get a gloved killer in this, where you see a lot of the stuff from their point of view. Uh, it, it doesn't come until way later in the movie, kind of. Like, this kind of saves a lot of the violence towards the end. Um, the music, I think, is... Uh, it's it, it fits a Jallo movie until it doesn't, kind of. Like, there's yeah. some parts towards the end where... <laughs> Really, the music should be driving, like, tension and excitement, and it's just this, like, freeform, proto-prog-rock jazz type of shit. It's, mm -hmm. it's big on big on Rhodes keyboards and, like I said, like, jazz drums and stuff like that. And it, it works well in a weird, like, uh, that's kind of a thing I feel like in Jalo movies is, like, uh, music that's, like, kind of the polar opposite of what, like, you're going to get, like, happy kind of... Uh, you know, danceable music to just awful, gruesome, fucked up shit on the screen. That works until, to a point, like, towards the end of this, there was a couple shots where I'm just like, this could have benefited from, like, a little, something a little scarier, kind of. Like, the music is not fucking scary at all, and it's just no. kind of, <laughs> just adds to the weirdness of it, basically. But, um... Yeah, I, I, I agree a lot. It's, it's, this is shot really nice. Like, it's not... The, the cinematography doesn't really call attention to itself, but it's, like, more than, you know, uh, uh, that's the word I'm looking for. It's, it's like an episode of Columbo. It, it, it's more than adequate for what this needs, basically. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I really dug this movie. The, the scene that I was talking about earlier was, like, <laughs> when you're, you know right the fuck away why this guy, and I don't know why this scene is even in this fucking movie. Like, it doesn't add anything to it. <laughs> A, a pig gets fucking stabbed horribly and I'm pretty fucking sure it's a real deal that they did and I was like that, that's where this movie almost lost me and I'm glad that there wasn't more stuff like that in there because yeah I was just like yeah. oh man oh wait, 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 like, we have plenty of animal death to talk about in the next movie so oh uh, yeah both both these movies are guilty of that <laughs> and are gonna get at least a little bit of, a little bit of shade thrown at them when they get in the courtroom mm -hmm. uh, but uh yeah, I mean, other than that scene, I, I've, I I dug this movie quite a bit, and the the ending I actually didn't really see coming. There's, ah, nice. There's a pretty uh, like this 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 isn't like pieces where it throws like a hundred red herrings at you throughout the runtime. There's like one or two, and like you, it really does kind of lead you up thinking that like. Paul Nashi is like our our our, our serial killer that's mm -hmm. killing women and cutting out their blue eyes or whatever. Um, I, I won't say who it is exactly, just because I think there's a lot of people who probably haven't seen this movie. But it's not Paul Nashi, and that was maybe kind of one of my other complaints about this movie is it tries to jam in like the 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 resolution a little too quick at the end, where you're just like, huh, what the fuck? Yeah. That's a common, like, really, I, I think the thing is, like, the more you watch of this subgenre, not even particularly just the Spanish stuff, the Italian stuff as well, the more that happens. And it's almost like they have, they, they go out their way to try and pick the least expected person's a killer at the end. And then, I, the credits, 
Like, you know, let's, let's not stop and think about this. Credits. It was him. You saw it. Everyone saw it. Right, let's go. And I think there is... I mean, it's it's just a trope you get used to, I'm afraid. Not everything can be, like, deep red. You know what I mean? I wish everything could be deep red, but not <laughs> everything can be deep red. Where you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. And, oh, we saw the killer earlier on. Wait. You know, most of the time it is like... Uh, Alright. <laughs> well, I suppose. Let's go with credits. Alright, thanks. Yeah, this this one didn't make way a lot of sense, like, towards the end. I, w- I would have been fine with them just being like, uh, it's them and credits, but then there's, like, a little bit of extra explanation They always have the to end, do it. They always have to do it. <laughs> it's like, you guys didn't talk about this at all throughout the entire fucking movie, and then it comes, like, at the very end in the last, like, five minutes or whatever, and it felt like Maybe they didn't know how to end this movie, and they kind of came up with that last minute. They're like, "Maybe oh, we gotta, we yeah. gotta do something." Like uh, sometimes, so- sometimes, and in, in this time period, particularly with these sort of movies, sometimes stuff is just filmed at the end as a way to. Uh, do do we think the audience will get this? Well, we can just have a, we can just have a psycho. It's, it's the you know what is I think it's the enduring legacy of Psycho. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, it ends with a, a, a doctor or psychiatrist explaining what the fuck was happening in this movie for all yep. the dum dums. Yeah, literally, and they, and they are all in here, and it, it does not help that you know Argento himself with Barbara the Crystal Plumage does exactly the same thing at the end of that movie. I was like, ah, yes, this is exactly what happened. This man was a deviant. You know, it's like that. It's that level, and like I say, once you once you know those tropes and once you're used to them. It's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not top level, level jello. It's not bottom. I mean, it has like eyeballs being cut out, which is definitely one of the reasons why I imagine it, it caught the attention. You're right. Animal death usually put, um, usually put it in the in the crosshairs. So I think a combination of the two is what, you know, I, I essentially gets it banned. I, I can't imagine. Because there aren't like a ton of Paul Nashy movies on this list, so it's not as if like the the censors were aware of Nashy. You know, what I mean, it's not that level at all. Plus, a lot of Jallos weren't being. You would expect something like a movie like uh, What Have They Done to Solange, which is about a failed uh, abortion. You know, what I mean, you would right. expect you would expect that to be on a banned list, and that's not. So I imagine it's a combination of the two uh, that probably probably got the ire of the old uh, BBFC back in the day but yeah I'm, I'm with you I think in the in the scheme of things it's not towards the top of the movies that we've watched in terms of quality and it's not at the bottom by any stretch of the imagination it's, it's probably comfortably in the middle in terms of there is real craftsmanship behind this it's just it suffers from what a lot of these movies suffer from at this time not the best acting um, a plot that doesn't always make sense and you know um, just something slightly off off about it it's just not quite it's it's emulating a genre which is specifically known for at the time auteur filmmaking amazing scores some of the you know some of the, the, the best leading men of the era starring in those movies and it doesn't really have any of that so it kind of feels like a bit of a, a kind of low rent giallo but it, to me it performed better than I expected so it's, it's perfectly adequate is how I'd describe it a hundred percent and also <laughs> whilst it does take a bit of time to get going and I will agree with that 
Uh, this movie under an hour and a half long. That is how you. I will answer that call. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yep. If only get all in, movies could be that. Yep, that's how you do it. Right, let's let's turn our attention to like a grade here then. So for anyone listening for the first time, we don't give out like critical grades because what's the point? Um, those those scores will relatively be low most of the time. Uh, what we do though is we we, we we get a bit playful with it and we do grades along the lines of what the sensor might hand out at the time. So our sternest grade is some hard time and that's reserved for top tier movies that really will turn your stomach. Underneath that there's a bit of community service uh, you know you've got one or two scenes that are, are, are probably frowned upon and you're dancing the line of what is considered tolerable um, you can then get a little case dismissed case dismissed is ah, there's something in here but it's, it's not bad and then um, no case dismissed is like nothing's bad and then slapping the wrist is ah, you know you've done something it's maybe not the worst crime in the world but you you have you have done something that's you know worthy of a bit of attention uh, i'll kick us off i mean to me yes there is a pig being slaughtered um which i mean I- i'm with you that's not a dummy pig that's a real pig um and i, I think on that level it kind of has to get at a minimum a slap on the wrist uh I- i'm with you i don't like animal violence by 74 it's, it's, you know, it shouldn't be in your movies and, you know, we're still in the early days. <laughs> By the time we get up to, like, our Ferox and stuff like that in 81, we're, we're going all out. So, it's kind of upsetting to see uh, and it's needless. It's like you said, it's n- it doesn't progress the story, it doesn't elevate the story and doesn't add anything to the story. It's there purely for shock and because they could. So, for that, slap on the wrist from me. What about yourself, Mark? I feel like if you cut out the pig scene, this would be an easy case dismissed. Yeah. Like this, this has some, uh, it's it's a little bit bloody. There, there's some gnarly like throats being slit and some fucking stabbings and stuff. But it's really, really like pretty tame. And it's once again the the 3M fucking like stage blood that doesn't look real at all. <laughs> um, really, I think like the only other things like they're even remotely offensive about this movie is like you said there there there's plenty of. Uh, m- m- male on female violence. Also, yep. I would call this maybe one of the horniest movies that we've watched on <laughs> on this show so far. Every like that that was my thoughts at the beginning of this thing as I'm watching. I was like, God damn, this movie's horny. Paul Nash is just gonna bang everybody in this fucking movie. He probably did as well. <laughs> I think that's in thing. real life. Like, he probably he probably did. I think just like this this is a this is an all Spanish cast. This is back during the, the good old days of cinema. You're in a hot country surrounded by attractive people. The heat's getting to you. You're young. Everybody's banging. Everyone be banging, Mark. Everyone be banging. But yeah, all, all, all that aside, I, I, I gotta levy at least a little bit of punishment at it for the pig scene because it was, it's it's short, but it's fairly fucking upsetting just because you can tell really easy that like they just really did this. And I, you know, I, I, I grew up a country kid, so I know that like they probably ate the pig and stuff afterwards, just like the cannibal movies and stuff. I don't want to fucking see this shit. Like yeah. it's it it bothers me, and and especially in this movie, it, there's no fucking reason that it's in there whatsoever. It's it's just a little bit of added shock value and a little bit of what what I'm fairly certain is a real fucking blood pouring out of this poor fucking animal yeah. as it dies horribly. So 
Uh, I'd give this, uh, this, this would be a pretty firm, probably, slap on the wrist, because it's just the one thing in it. Like, the rest of this is pretty fucking tame. Nice! Right! Let's, uh, let's turn our attention to, clearly, the much better made movie of the two. Um, <laughs> The Mad Doctor of Blood Island. Before we get to our thoughts, as always, you're going to hear people, learned people, um, I have no idea, I've got a feeling this might be a Stephen Thrower joint. Um, sitting and giving you a bit of information about Mad Doctor of Blood Island. You're going to then hear the trailer. When we return, myself and Mark will be discussing that movie right after this. Tomb of the Living Dead, which I don't think it was actually called that for very long. I still think of it as Mad Doctor of Blood Island, one of the, the run of uh, Shot in the Philippines Mad Doctor movies. It's billed hilariously on the cover as from Eddie Romero, the maker of Apocalypse Now. Um, it actually stars John Ashley, who's another one of the makers of Apocalypse Now. Uh, you probably think that Francis Ford Coppola made Apocalypse Now, and you'd be right. Uh, however, every single person involved in the film industry in the Philippines has a credit on Apocalypse Now, and Eddie Romero is one of those. He's officially a producer. I think that means he was basically a location finder, um, which is why I am told that if you look at Apocalypse Now, you can see some of the, the very same locations that turn up in the Blood Island movies. Beast of Blood, Brain of Blood, which is the Al Adamson one that was dumped in afterwards. Uh, Beast of the Yellow Knight, Beyond Atlantis. They're all kind of um, a morass. They're a genre unto themselves. If you only see one, Mad Doctor of Blood Island is as good one to start. It's got... John Ashley, who was sort of the American uh, lead in most of these films, he emigrated to the Philippines and, and went into production and direction out there. And Angelique Petitjean, who's a, a sort of living cartoon. She'd been in a Star Trek episode and she uh, ended up making sort of softcore pictures and working with the likes of Kitten Natividad. Um, and, and actually is, is quite a strong present. Uh, and it features the Chlorophyll Man, who is one of the most goofy, strange, bizarre of all uh, monsters in Mad Doctrine and Island movies. They're all derived distantly from H.G. Wells. Um, Wells was about turning animals into men. This is about turning men into plants. Uh, it's... I can't see why anyone was offended by this. This is kiddie matinee horror. This is the sort of stuff that would have been hokum if it had been made with George Zucco in 1943. The fact that they were making it in the 1970s, okay, with a bit more sex and a bit more blood, uh, maybe goes to show that it took a long time for new ideas in horror to percolate out to the Philippines. Uh, I think they're kind of endearing as, as films. I, uh, I certainly would happily, uh, yeah... <laughs> watch an all-night showing of all of them. Um, and they have cool gimmicks like the blood-drinking ritual. I think, rather sadly, they didn't do much of that over here. And this wasn't a particularly big video release. Uh, why they stuck this title on it, when there was already Tombs of the Blind Dead and Tombs of the Undead on the market, maybe they did want to get confused with either of those. Uh, but as it was, they turned it into generic horror product. And he will shock you out of your sanity too when the transfusion of terror is performed by the mad doctor of Blood Island. All of those lives that you think have been wasted in the cause of this experiment, I 
hopefully have brought us closer to that lifelong dream of longevity, eternal youth. I will not give up the work of a lifetime, simply because you think I'm mad. got him aboard, he was half conscious, so we tried to revive him. He turned into a raving lunatic. He killed one of my men before I finally got a bullet in him. What happened to him? He jumped overboard. It was right after sunset. We couldn't find a trace of him. But before he jumped, he bled a lot on deck. His blood was green. This is a barbaric experience in the most grotesque sense. You will see supernatural beings caught up in the rampage of gory brutality, and it will shock you and jolt you more than you would ever expect. Creatures living for synthetic green blood. They walk by night and take part in gruesome, unholy acts of savagery. <laughs> It's incredible. It's unbelievable. But you will witness scenes so frightening that your mind will not be able to accept what you see. But don't say we didn't warn you. The mad doctor of Blood Island is coming your way soon. And he's waiting for you. Why don't you pay him a visit? No appointments are necessary. But bring along your courage. You will need it. Yes, indeed. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Mad Doctor Blood Island. This one is directed by the directing duo Eddie Rom... Eddie Romero, <laughs> cousin of Georgie, um, and Gerardo de Leon. Um, this is based on the screenplay by Ruben Canoy, I think is how you pronounce that. It stars John Ashley, Angelique Pettijohn, Ronald Remy, Alicia Alonso, Ronaldo Valdez, uh, Tita Munoz. Tony Edmonds, Alfonso Carvalho, I don't think that's how you pronounce that, and there's other folks in here. Um, a synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as a man who loves to travel, travels to an island where a mad doctor is creating zombies. Bet that wasn't on the TripAdvisor, Mark. Uh, <laughs> giving it a thumbs down. Um... Uh, <laughs> You take the lead on this. 
Okay, so this movie, uh, like, within, like, ten minutes, I, I, I had to go and look up when this was actually made, because this feels so much like a 50s movie, but it was, like, it's, what is this, like, 68 or 69 or something? Yeah, it's the late 60s. It's kind of, it's in the wake of that kind of post, kind of blood feast, Herschel Gordon Lewis is now making movies so we can just, we can get a bit splattery and it'll right. upset folk. And like it's, uh, yeah. So so this was shot in the Philippines. So it's definitely got like a very, uh, like I, I feel like we both seen a zillion fucking movies just mm-hmm. like this. I, I feel like Mystery Science Theater did a lot of movies that were a lot like this. So they're just like the cheapest of the cheap. Like they, they spent like five bucks on this movie. I don't, I don't know what Wikipedia says the budget of this is, but it's probably a lie. They probably fucking spent all that money to make like five more of these Blood Island movies, but. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with any of the other movies that are in this list, and I don't really know if I care to. There, this mm. was this was so fucking low rent and low budget that like it was kind of kind of a slog to get through. And like, I mean, it, at its core, essentially, this is a mad scientist movie. Although it's not really revealed until the very end who the mad scientist is exactly. But basically, what he's doing is shooting people up with chlorophyll to turn them into these weird green plant zombie it's it's hard to even call them zombies like they're they're they really are more just like dudes in really bad monster makeup yeah uh, this this I, I think probably one of the things a lot of people are going to remember this thing is for the cinema cinematography particularly mm-hmm. when the uh the plant fucking monster zombie guys are on screen or whenever there's even like a hint of them it does this weird zoom in zoom out thing like oh it, it, the it, zoom in zoom out thing is amazing it's like they, they bought one lens that had the, the the feature at the time that you could zoom in like you know a couple millimeters and a couple out and they damn it they were gonna use the hell out of it because it's it happens <laughs> every fucking time like i would have hated to have seen this on the big screens i feel like you would get motion sick like almost immediately uh, it's, it's like it's like someone shot a photon torpedo at the old Enterprise. It's yeah. like absolutely amazing. <laughs> they can't afford to do anything like practical on 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 set or anything like so. So the music gets a little bit spooky. Uh, we'll get back to the music on this one too. Oh like yeah, goofy fucking music. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, but yeah, it, it just does this like crash zoom thing like every time the fucking monster comes out. And according to Wikipedia, that was to hide the dodgy makeup effects which i guess to a point that's kind of uh it, it does accomplish that uh, well they but, did this well, the thing that made me smile and laugh so much is if you've seen one cut of the dead that's what does, they do that's what the the the, the cinematographer the, the guy who ultimately takes the camera over and oh, really? that movie that's like there's a bit where like like when you there's a bit when you're watching like for those that don't know please go and watch one cut of the dead um yeah. But they do the... Remember there's a bit where, like, for some reason, like, the camera goes from being relatively steadily shot to to being a bit more action-packed and, you know, there's a, there's a bit more, like, extreme zooms and whatnot. Right. And that's, that's the guy who picks up the camera to take over the cinematography. I think he says it somewhere earlier in the movie as well. We should do, like, lots of zooms in and zoom outs. And they're all like, that's such a silly idea. So when he gets it, you get all these. And that is literally what it made me think of when I was watching. I was howling with laughter when I saw this. I was like, oh, no, they gave it to the one cut of the dead guy. <laughs> it's definitely something that, like, a, like a 
14 year old filmmaker does like when they're they're first like you know discovering like all, all the features on the camcorder they got for christmas and they they, they want to make the the monster movie but they don't have you know the makeup or the know-how or anything to, so it's just do in, in camera tricks like that kind of and uh, it's a, a lot of filmmakers fucking use the hell out of this. I mean, Fulci, like he he loves his crash zoom into fucking people's eyes. Like, oh yeah, all through all throughout his career. But yeah, this is Umberto Lenzi. Umberto Lenzi yep. loved zooming. Like, he zooms in the face of almost every character. Like, yeah, like, all the time. The, the, in this though, it it just felt like they had no fucking clue what they were doing, and the, it doesn't follow through through the whole movie because we get a couple shots at the very end where like the uh, the the monster's former uh, teenage bride, I, I will fucking add in there, uh, uh-huh. is like having a confrontation with the monster, and it doesn't do the crash zoom thing, and we get like some pretty decent close ups of this guy and. Oh boy, it's painfully obvious that they just bought like a two dollar Halloween mask <laughs> and threw some fucking green paint on it because you can you can see right through this thing to the actor's fucking face like and I, and I watched this on my fucking phone like and I I could tell I can't imagine what this looked like on the big screen I'm sure it was horribly laughable and amateurish looking uh, the the music in this movie is goofy as fuck it's, it's such like uh, library sounding music which some movies can can do really well uh obviously i like, think night of the living dead is like probably the best example of that it's all library music like needle drop type things i don't know what the fuck they were thinking with the music on this one it's it's not scary it's it, again it's like a lot of like it, it sounds a lot like a Herschel Garden Lewis movie where it's yep. a lot of just like weird abstract jazz beats and uh, it, it just it doesn't fit the movie at all. Uh, I, I, I think all the actors in this are f- varying shades of terrible. Um, <laughs> a lot of these people like I, 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 don't, I don't think a lot of these people were actors. The version we watched was also dubbed and yeah. dubbed pretty fucking badly. But, like, yep. Uh, yeah, there's there's some decent gore in this. Like, like uh, we we keep going back to the Herschel Garden Lewis thing. Uh, they, they they did know enough to like you know they're like we gotta do something. Like we can't afford to build like a decent monster. So I mean the least we could do is like bring out buckets of blood and a couple severed heads and like there's some pig guts and shit yeah. I think thrown on people to make it look a little more gruesome. Uh, so I'll give it some props for that. This, this is relatively gory for a movie of its time, but still kind of feels like it's like ripped right out of the fifties or something. Like there's, there's something really weird and out of time about this movie. Like, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what else to say about this exactly. The the, the intro is really weird. The uh, uh, take the 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 oath of the green blood or whatever, and they apparently did the like William Castle thing where they gave out green vials of mystery liquid for people in the theater to drink, to drink so that yeah. they wouldn't wouldn't be corrupted by the the horribly made up green monster in this movie. Uh it it doesn't say on the Wikipedia what was in those fucking vials, but I, it did According say, like, to like the IMDB says uh, as a promotional gimmick Packets of green blood were distributed to cinema patrons who were instructed to drink at a certain point in the film. 
Production consultant Sam Sherman came up with the idea of distributing the liquid gel packs to theatre goers and said years later in an interview that he had drank one of the packets which contained an aqua coloured gel that made him sick to his stomach. <laughs> Nevertheless, Beverly Miller, an associate producer on the film, said that she'd actually witnessed dozens of teenagers drinking the stuff in the theatres that she managed in Kansas City. So I don't think they knew what was in either, so... <laughs> Or maybe they did. They're like, oh, "This is gonna make him feel real sick," and like, it'll, it'll, it'll that'd be that'd be great promotion. Like, people are just puking because this movie is so fucking horrid. No, it's because you fed him some weird mystery fucking liquid and that intentionally made them nauseous. Yeah. That feels like a Gasper No kind of thing. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, doesn't intentionally make the audience as sick as fucking possible through any means necessary. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's. I, I thought that, that intro is goofy because it doesn't ever come like I was expecting a scene where characters in the movie drink the liquid so that they're immune to this or whatever and that never happens so yeah. all I can assume was this whole that whole thing was an afterthought yeah I mean it's well once it was you've, you've hit the nail on the head it's the it's we are trying absolutely everything in this movie to take people's attention away from how shitty it actually is um, you know what I mean? It's like everything about this. We're, we're doing those like kind of zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out things to take people away from how bad the effects are. We're playing, you know, generic like music, which instantly kills almost any scene that's played over, as a way to kind of distract people from the fact that not a lot's going on and these actors aren't great. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's all techniques that are used to try and give people the impression that there's a better craft happening in this movie than there actually is. You're right, I've seen like dozens of movies that are, are like this. Um, and every now and again I see another one and I go, oh, holy shit. And that's kind of how I felt watching this one. It's, it's bad. It's a, it's a bad movie. It doesn't have... It's cheaply made. It has terrible cinematography. The acting is pretty woeful. The special effects are not great. Those that are crafted by humans when they have like like I mentioned before like awful and blood and pig guts and all the rest I mean that's a set like that Herschel Gordon Lewis career is crafted off that but like like HGL he at least not all the time but every now and again like uh, got something in his movies that made it like an anchor point there isn't anything in here it does feel like a throwback to the kind of mad scientist 50s movies it kind of feels like it's a, maybe a decade too late with a bit more nastiness than would have been shown back then. I think the animal death stuff is, once again, is fucking needless, man, honestly. It, it comes out of nowhere, too. Yeah. Like, I, I was not expecting that shit, because, like, when they, when they, like, first show, it's like two goats and two pigs that have yeah. been hogtied and placed up on, like, a fucking pedestal, basically, and they're not moving, so like when that scene first starts, what I assumed was that they were already dead. Mm-hmm. No, they they waited until a couple minutes into that scene, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna fucking slaughter these fucking animals." And I'm just like, "Oh my god! All right, well, that's why this one's fucking banned." Yeah, I mean, all, almost almost inevitably was going to end up on the banned list. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just I I find it very difficult to get not even excited but enthused to talk about a movie like this just in that there's nothing about it at all 
that makes it remarkable or differentiates it from a whole lot of other movies that come out in or around this time period that are doing exactly the fucking same. Whether yeah. you, whether you like it or not, something like Invasion of the Blood Farmers at least <laughs> at least is entertaining. You know, at least made me laugh and made me smile. Um, or even something like Midnight when we did John Russo's Midnight. There's uh, there's something in that movie that at least sparks conversation or debate. Uh, there's nothing in this movie for this, except I uh, like once again this is another movie that should be shown to people um, who want to make a movie as a back in the day this would still cost more money than it you know than your equipment costs now to make that you know these people that shoot films on iPhones can buy an iPhone for cheaper than this movie was actually made for the estimated budget according to IMDb is $125,000 um, so you know what I mean it's it, it just it doesn't the thing about it is like every second they use the zoom technique I laughed every time the music come in I laughed um and then you're right. And like towards the end, they finally stop doing the, the the effect that hides the bad creature effects. And guess what? They couldn't hide the bad creature effects. It looked fucking awful. I, there, there are the thing is, there is a hardcore fan base for movies like this that you know that will have either seen it at the drive-through way back in the day, or like deliberately like really bad, really lo-fi really schlocky, poorly crafted movies. And that's cool. This is not my genre at all. I I, I, I I struggled to get through this and this is not a long film either. This is shorter than the previous one. And when it finished I was like, yep, never going to watch this one again. Um, yeah. And that's, that's about the extent. I mean, according to IMDb, the, this movie was considered lost until Severin found it. So it was it was considered a lost movie until 2018 where Severin apparently discovered the original 35mm negative in Paris. Um, so that's that's how we now have this. And this is one of those rare occasions where I'm like that. Had this movie stayed lost? Eh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no London after midnight, that's for yeah. sure. Uh, Which I can say without having even seen that fucking movie. Mm. I mean, th- th- this is like you said, you've nailed it. Like this will be a, it will have been put out cheaply by a uh, like some distributor in the UK with I don't even know what the 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 cover up work look look like, but it will have had provocative statements and a provocative shot, um, and uh, you know it might as well have just had giant neon signs saying "Ban me, please," because um, that's that's what will have happened. Uh, animal violence alone would have banned us, um, like straight away. They're like just just from what I saw, ain't no way that would have made its way through. So. Yeah, this is. We're, I I would love to say this is the last one of these movies we're going to have to watch. I get a sneaky suspicion there are more hidden gems oh, like sure. this on the list, Mark. But yeah, it's it's not a good movie. Now, if you took out the animal violence from this one, there is absolutely nothing in this movie that would. Ele- in fact, I think I think according to once again according to IMDb, it's it's its rating is that of a PG in the UK. So, mild parental guidance it has an M. So, I don't know what an M is in the States, but it's a PG in the UK, which is 
fucking nothing. Like my, my daughter could watch this. Um, so that's the rating for it. And I like I, I disagree with that because of the animal death. But at the same time, you take the animal death out of that, even the nudity. The nudity is shot like like someone hiding in a bush, tugging the yeah. head off it. Like, you know like I mean? they knew they could barely get away with showing the nudity, so it's shot, yeah, like from way far away or just extremely briefly. Like this yeah. barely has fucking nudity in it. Yeah, just all the stuff that you would expect from going to. I think about the uh, the movies that are shot in the Philippines, like less than a decade from now, by Italian filmmakers, and you you can almost smell the muff. Um, you know I mean? <laughs> off the off the camera is that is that close? Uh, it, it's unbelievable, and I look at it here, and I need I need a fucking telescope to see it. So um, yeah, I, I I don't have anything else to say about this one. Where, where are you coming in with a grade for Mad Doctor of Blood Island? Uh, again, it's it's got to get a little bit of a slap for the fucking animal violence if if uh, and once again if you cut that out this is an easy fucking case dismissed like yeah. there's no fucking reason this should have been banned besides the animal violence so yeah probably this, this gets a pretty firm slap on the wrist because it made me watch a couple goats and some pigs get fucking killed horribly and die of what sounds like a slow death which i fucking hate and yeah. i'm sure won't be the last one of these movies that's got stuff like that in that it seemed like a fairly popular thing to do in your movie for a couple of decades there uh but yeah without that shit this is an easy case dismissed this is a goofy fucking man i i wanted to mention also the the fight choreography in this movie (laughs) which is like 10 shades of william shatner uh just just adds to like my inability to take anything in this movie even remotely seriously uh-huh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm with you 100%. Once again, this is a slap on the wrist for the, the animal violence, but you remove that from here. What do you actually have left? You know, you've got nothing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, every now and again, we are going to get an episode like this. I, I think that's just sadly where we are and something we kind of have to deal with. But then, on the flip side of that, we also get we also get other episodes where we get amazing amazing movies that we can discuss. By the way, incidentally, our listeners will find it that I don't think that's going to be the next episode either. I think we're getting <laughs> then we're getting shades of what we just got here. Um, but our listeners will find out what that is after we come back from our final break. Myself and Mark will be back to tell you what to look forward to at the end of the month from doing the nasty right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Season 2, episode number 18. Woo! We, we've talked about Crazy Blood Islands, we've talked about Blue Eyes of Shattered Dolls, and fuck knows what else. Um, we have another episode coming out this month because of the inability to stay on schedule because of other things. Um, so you're treated this month 
but that doesn't mean the movies get better because um, that's not how we roll over here uh, we have two movies to, to bring to your attention the first one we'll be doing is Werewolf Woman <laughs> Werewolf Woman oh aka La Lupa Manara so Isn't that the name of the, uh, the the Rob Zombie short from fucking Grindhouse? Or was it was a werewolf, uh, werewolf woman of, of the SS? The SS. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. <laughs> better be good, uh, Rob Zombie, or I'm blaming you. <laughs> and this one is uh, apparently it was X-rated, um, so there we go. That must be good. Uh, directed and written by Reno Di Silvestro. Um, the movie's synopsis is a woman has dreams that she's a werewolf so she goes out to find men she proceeds to have sex with them then rip their throats out with her teeth she eventually falls in love but then oh Jesus this is giving us a whole shot <laughs> she eventually falls in love but then she's raped and her lover is murdered so she goes out for revenge goody yay that'll be <laughs> That'll be a ton of fun, Mark. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see that movie. Oh um, we will be doubling it up with... This is fucking amazing. Uh, a movie called Bloodlust. Or... It's... It's... Oh, I can't do it. It's alternate name, Mosquito the Rapist. Oh, um, okay. I remember seeing this on the list somewhere. I was like, uh-huh. Yep, Mosquito the Rapist. Um, this one is directed by Mari- Marijuan Valda, maybe? Uh, Valja? I don't know. Um, synopsis for this one is A deaf and dumb accountant suffers from a psychic trauma in his childhood. He is collecting puppets and mutilates female bodies in the mortuary. After secret love died, this is this by the way is how it's written. After the secret love died by an accident, he starts to kill. That's the worst written synopsis I've ever <laughs> read. Word salad. It's just nonsense. Um. So yeah. So uh. Yeah. That's where we're going. We're going for a little bit of werewolf women and a little bit of mosquito the rapist. Um. Yeah, that'll be the end of the month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the bangers are coming out in July. Fuck. Uh, God, yeah. Um, The episode after that, though, we get to talk about Extro, and Extro is going to make me so fucking happy to talk about because that is a disgusting, horny little movie. Yep. Um, So we'll, we'll at least get that to look forward to in August. But that's where we are going at the end of the month. Uh, once again, thank you for checking out Doing the Nasty. Please listen to the other shows on the Tea Pots Collective, whether you're wanting your Fincher Inch scratched. Uh, myself and Bo Ransdell are working our way through that as part of Opera Omnia. Uh, whether you have a, a hankering for some recommendations of where to begin with some found footage, full documentary, and uh, mockumentary movies, you can check out where to begin with we're almost concluding that season in the next couple of months so we've got some interesting picks over there or whether you want to uh, take part or or listen to the journey we'll be starting in season four of chronicle coming on later this year you can do that all on the same feed that you hear this mark ball you're an interesting guy that does interesting things where can people check out your stuff (laughs) Uh, well, I've been active on the, the letterbox here recently. I think that's just fancy Mark. Uh, that's that's where I log like all, especially all my 
the festival stuff I'm watching. I am returning to Texas for Fantastic Fest this year. God, nice. fucking knock on wood. I fucking hope so. Uh, if things, you know, <laughs> don't don't take a horrible turn for the worse. But uh, yeah, that's that, that's that's my big vacation every year. Well, up until last year, for obvious reasons, where I cram in. Uh, I usually average about 30 movies in seven days, and a lot of it's uh, stuff that has yet to come out that I like to turn people on to before, before it, like, you know, actually comes out kind of deal. So, uh, yeah, follow me over there on the letterbox. I talked a lot about the Chattano- Chattanooga movies on my Twitter, which is the fancy mark. Uh, if you just scroll down a little bit, I, I tried to leave a little reviews of most of the stuff I watched. If I really fucking hated something, then I don't tend to talk about it because, you know... That, that's a super dick move to like tag the, uh, the the festival or god forbid like the filmmaker in a negative <laughs> yeah. review online I don't I do not do that so I only really talked about the movies that I liked for the most part on there so uh, follow me over there uh, I'm on Instagram that fucking platform is dying a slow death as far as I'm concerned <laughs> so you can you can follow me over there I've got cool stuff posted I have like 1400 posts on Instagram that are mostly like toy photography and uh, stuff like that. Uh, good gardening pictures. If you're into the gardening, you, you might want to follow mm-hmm. me over there. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. Uh, we, we got one more. The, my my first episode of the Teapot Summer series is recorded. That's that's one of the earlier years. We we've still I think here in a couple weeks got to record the second episode of that that I'm on. When did those start coming out? Like end of July or? Uh, essentially, I think it's the first week of August. So this this episode, episode, our next episode, you will have listened to me and Mark discuss Mosquito the Rapist, and then like within days you'll be listening to the 2010 episode of the Summer Series. So sweet, yeah. And uh, not not that far away. Uh, five left to record, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I, the the thing about this is. It has been. This is maybe my favourite season that I've done yet, but I also know for a fact there's a whole lot of heartache in this one. Like, all the way right through, almost every episode has been met with at least one of those going, I just. I, I don't feel comfortable that this movie's not going through, and that just gets harder the later the decade goes on. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's kind of brutal, but I'm loving it. I'm ge- I'm genuinely having a ball um, with, with everything we're doing, and that first episode kicks things off in 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 great fashion. Spirits were very high, and the humour was flowing, so plenty for people to get their teeth sunk into, and a lot of hard work from you guys out there as well. You know, d- doing that, doing the Lord's work, sitting down watching the movies, getting yourself prepped, and then uh, joining me to, to shoot the shit long form and discuss movies. It's always a good. Always a good time, buddy. Always yep. a good time. Yeah, I was really, I was really happy with that. Uh, I, 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 can I say that? Yeah, I'm on the 2010 episode, which you, yep. you'll, you'll know because it's probably one of the shortest episodes. <laughs> um, there, there wasn't like any. I don't think like super. I mean, like you say, every episode you got to kill a couple of your babies. Like there's movies yep. that some people are just like absolutely in love with that don't end up going through. I was pretty happy with the movies that went through on the 2010 episode, so yeah, you'll you'll have to stay tuned and listen to that guy when it comes out on beginning of August. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun, man. It really, really is. I get the feeling we're going to get so much feedback for this series, and I'm hoping most of it's positive, but I know it's the internet, so I know it's mostly negative. We'll get yelled at by at least a few people. That always happens, too. 
<laughs> right, we're going to be back end of the month, folks. End of the month to bring you some werewolf women and some bloodlust, aka Mosquito the Rapist. Ooh, that is a title that I do not want to watch. Um, and as promised, this episode's an hour long, so suck it. Um, this is Duncan McLeish from Doing the Nasty. Until the next time. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.